the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Big week for sports. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off at that registration for the first year. Download the app, personalize it with your favorite teams and league, and wake up to brand new branded content ad-free every single morning. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. We are also presented today by Dynasty Owner Fantasy Football. Check out dynastyowner.com. Click on how it works. You're going to be amazed at all the customizations, the bells and whistles, all the options you get. If you use code SPOTTRACK20 when registering, you get $20 off this year. Get in there, get your friends in there, get it all set up, figure out how it works. It's fun, challenging Dynasty Fantasy Football with real NFL salaries. DynastyOwner.com, get you started right now. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy 4th of July weekend. A little later this year, this year as we uh, had some fam time, of course. And uh, now it's not. Now it's back to business. And the NBA free agency season is here. Scott Allen's going to join me to recap some of it because there's a lot of it not yet official. And that's part of our conversation is the waiting game, the timing game, just how much more details are yet to come out on a lot of these agreements. Obviously, the Kevin Durant situation, the Jalen Brunson situation, which is getting juicier as we speak here with the Knicks being in some trouble for some possible tampering, which Scott called to me about two weeks ago, by the way. So we break down that a little bit. Some of the crazier signings, obviously the Rudy Gobert trade, what it means with this player empowerment situation that Durant is pushing out and Harden did it last year and Kyrie, who knows, and how that kind of works in sports right now because there's quite a bit of the pushing going on in some of these other sports and it may be to our benefit and it may not be. So how does the NBA player empowerment kind of fit into the, the grand scheme of all that? So Scott and I get into quite a bit through the second segment of the show. But as, uh, as usual, I like to open with some NFL, even though it's been quiet. This is the quiet time of the year. Many of the Bills players around me are kind of vacating, hanging out with some team teammates and some coaches and things like that and uh, enjoying their time. And we have to kind of dive for content. Well, generally speaking, during this lull, it's a good time to assess the cap situation because as we ramp up towards camp, and hopefully no injuries happen over the past, next couple of weeks during break, but they will happen when we get to camp. They will. It's just a fact. There are still teams that have holes. There are still probably your favorite team probably has one or two positions that they haven't addressed yet this offseason, and they're going to find a way to do that. Now, that could be late cap casualties, could be late training camp cuts that you just add in depth pieces, but it could be big-time trades as well. So we're going to wrap up uh, some extension candidates again as we, as we approach camp in the next two weeks. Obviously, the wide receivers are still at the forefront. There's still a Baker Mayfield situation. We're approaching the Jimmy Garoppolo situation as he gets back to full health and may be able to pass a physical here soon. But where does that stand? Like, Where does your team stand from a cap perspective? Well, if you're a Patriots fan, it's bad news because I've got them over right now. Obviously, they're not over. There's some kind of mini restructure that I don't have the full details for, which I'm efforting. But for all intents and purposes, the Patriots have zero cap space. And oh, by the way, that's exactly where they want to be right now. They don't want cap space. They don't want to give the illusion that anybody internally can get a contract right now. They are who they are. They've done their work this offseason. They're going to stay right here until they need to make that August trade, which they do basically every other year. There's going to be somebody on this roster, maybe one of those wide receivers who didn't work out last year, who they will punt on, free up some cap space so they can have something to work with throughout the regular season and maybe even roll over in the 2023 season. So they're at the bottom of this list. As you might imagine, the Eagles are down there as well. They're a huge restructure team, a huge void year team, a huge option year team. And they made a ton of movement this offseason. 
They did not sit in their hands. They are going all in on their quarterback to see where they are with Jalen Hurts for the next, you know, three to four years in terms of a contract extension next year. And I believe they're playing the ball, the game right right now. So they're down there where they need to be. I think they're probably done, though they're an aggressive team. Howie Roseman loves the wheel and deal. And by the way, if a team like the Patriots comes calling with some, with some opportunities, they're going to be listening. San Francisco's down there because they want to be down there. Again, they've got two big contracts to deal with in Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa. They've got $20 million of cap space to shed with Jimmy Garoppolo's contract moving on from that. So they know where they, where they stand from a budgetary standpoint, but they've also done a lot of damage as well with some big-time rookie signings and things like that. So they're there because they want to be there. Would you believe it if I told you the Houston Texans are the fourth least amount of cap space in the league right now? It's been a lot of one-year, two-year deals. They did extend Brandon Cooks. They have ramped up the defensive line a little bit, but there's a lot of, uh, just a lot of carryover, you know, and, a lot, and some dead cap to boot, by the way, 52 and change of dead cap. That's top four in the league right now. So a lot of it is still kind of purging the old, the old system and getting themselves ready to go in on what could be Davis Mills, what could be a quarterback from next year, what could be a veteran quarterback in the next couple of years, uh, TBD. I think they're going to give Davis Mills the key this year, and that probably is the right decision based on the rest of the roster. And then we go from there. But they are a, they're a pot-committed team right now for a lot of reasons, not, you know, not many of which is the active cap, where they rank bottom five in terms of their active 90 roster cap. A lot of it is dead cap. A lot of it is kind of spread out elsewhere. But it's a purge year, so don't get too crazy with, uh, with how that works. And then if we go up there, the Bills are bottom five in cap with arguably the best roster in all of football. So yes, they've got a Jordan Poyer situation. There may be a couple of more extension candidates than Ned Oliver and Dawson Knox. Those guys may have to wait till next year. I think there's probably a franchise tag coming for Dawson Knox in 2023, especially if he takes another step forward at the tight end position this year. But it's a, that's a very committed roster right there from a coaching standpoint, from a, from a player standpoint, from a superstar standpoint, from a core position standpoint. And uh, hopefully from a depth standpoint, if you follow the Buffalo Bills enough. But maybe a situation with Jordan Poyer. Um, do they finagle that contract a little bit to give him more than $7 million cash this year? Maybe. But that could be a uh, pre-camp, mid-camp, post-camp trade candidate extension if we have to get there. If, uh, if the Poyer stuff doesn't work out and he's really, really keeping his foot down on the gas pedal to get that new money, could be a situation where Buffalo just ends up having to flip him, even though he's been a core, core piece of that defense now for a bunch of years. So something to keep an eye on there with uh, the least cap space teams. If we go back to the top, Cleveland's in a mess, but they have 41 million of cap to work with. <laughs> you know, uh, is that an Odell Beckham? No. Is that one of these defensive players? Maybe. You know, can they can they stand to take on Baker Mayfield's 18 million dollars? Yep. And every team out there in the league knows it. And every team out there is probably pretty pissed off with the Deshaun Watson situation and, and what that happened, you know, what the 230 million fully guaranteed means for the rest of the league now. <clears throat> and I wonder if nobody trades for Baker Mayfield because Cleveland having to release him and, eat, and eating that 18 million might be a, a, a nice parting shot from the rest of the league, which means that somebody else can bring him in on a, on a vet minimum and they can get their quarterback that they wanted in March. But, are going to stick it to Cleveland first. So they can absorb it. The whole world knows they can absorb it. 
They don't want to pay that cash, but they may end up having to. And I believe that's where we're headed. And by the way, the team that wants Baker is second in cap space, 24 and change. So we will see where we go with that. The Cowboys are third. They made a lot of moves, a lot of subtractions this year. In my opinion, too many. And I'm going to have somebody on soon to talk about that Dallas roster because I'm not sure that Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick was the best decision for the franchise. And I'm not sure some of the defensive guys they let walk were replaceable immediately in a, in a division that is 100% winnable for this team right now. So, you know, the fact that they're third in cap space is probably something they were looking to do, you know, especially with Zeke coming off next year, most likely, and things like that. And certainly they're, they've got some young weapons. They've also got a tight end on franchise tag right now. And, you know, plenty of cap space to burn. Now, is that cap space there as leverage to say, look, we can absorb your franchise tag, no problem. No need to push you out, Dalton Schultz. We're just going to stay where we are, probably. That's part of the process here, of sure, of wheeling and dealing. But I just wonder if Dallas hasn't subtracted too much. A team that hasn't. The Las Vegas Raiders did a lot, a lot of cap, cap gymnastics with a lot of these new contracts. Derek Carrs, Devontae Adams, Max Crosby's to boot. And uh, keeping this year pretty clean. So they brought in a lot of new blood. Chandler Jones extended a lot of their own. Kind of rebuilt that offensive line last year contractually, and now they're they're, they're putting the weapons around it, and they still have tw- over twenty million of cap space to work with. So this is a dangerous team. If some of these things click like they hope they do, dangerous team. I don't care what division they're in. That that is what looks like a well built team on paper. And if Josh McDaniels figured some things out from his disastrous Denver tenure, and uh, and can kind of push the right buttons here, that's a team that can not only be good out of the gate, but if they continue to have this kind of cap space as they push into the season, they'll be able to acquire a player at the deadline that can be that X-factor player and maybe push them over the top for a wild card or even a division title. So I just, I just love where the, the Raiders are sitting right now from all the, the smart moves they've made to how those contracts are structured. By the way, basically two-year deals, they can get out of them after that. That's how they've been doing their business. And uh, an ammo to work with from cap standpoint. And fifth on the list is Chicago, who is in a very different situation. <laughs> Didn't go big. Kind of trickled in. Brand new regime, front office, coaching staff, the works. But Justin Fields is still there. So can he and David Montgomery, who needs a contract himself here, kind of hold the fort down a little bit? You know, the Mooney kid looked like he catch, could catch some balls. Cole Komet was running in form as a weapon. But there's just not an offensive line there. And they drafted some players, and maybe those kids can grow fast this, through this camp. And progressed during the 2022 season and maybe they're you know one of the dolphins type teams next year but they're they seem like to be a year away from being a year away and you can understand that and i don't expect them to use up that cap space that's probably 2023 ammo if anything so there's your bottom five top five in nfl cap obviously visit spotright.com slash nfl slash cap for all 32 teams including some breakdowns of dead cap and things like that and uh, that's a very fluid situation as Terry McLaurin's contract hits officially today. And we start to update some of those numbers and some more extensions slash trades hit over the next couple of weeks leading up to training camp. Let's talk NBA with Scott Allen. All right, Scott, it's your big week. I'm sure you've been working your butt off. NBA free agency, trades, extensions, the works here. It's all kind of mixed into a three, four day package, which has at this point expired, but we're going to get a second wave here because of the Durant situation. So first of all, positive, negative, how how are we taking away the past couple of days or so? I would 
say it's pretty on par for what we've been talking about for the last few weeks where mm-hmm. a lot of players signed with their team that they were originally with. We saw or, or the exact it, team they were rumored to go to <laughs> or the exact team they were rumored to go to. Correct. Um, we saw some pretty big trades go and I don't think we're done with those trades. We'll get there. Um, and then we had some massive extensions get done too. So uh, there, there hasn't been any, uh, you know, Holy cow. No, I mean, not omens. even the Gobert, right? I mean, the Gobert, we, we knew he was going to go somewhere. There were four or five teams. I think Minnesota was on the bottom of that list, but, and, and certainly the price to me, to me, that's the biggest it, shocker, sticker shock here it, is the price is, for Gobert. Yeah. They gave up a, a farm for yeah. Gobert and we can go down that road whenever you want to go there. But I think as a whole, the, it, it's pretty much what we expected, but then the Kevin Durant news mm-hmm. has really thrown a wrench in it where we've really been at a standstill for two days. Uh, you know, there's been situations in the past where July 4th, usually there's been news that would mess up the fourth, but the last two, two and a half days have been really slow outside of minimum signings or rookie extension or rookie, uh, scale signings sure but there's been a couple things starting to trickle now so that durant news has really held up and i know teams are dragging their feet with (laughs) with signings that they have ready to say they're ready to move forward with but with that news you know you never know if he's going to stay or go and from the reports that have come out in the last you know 24 to 36 hours are this could go into yeah. late summer into training camp. So we'll get I think there, we Scott. Need... I'm going to have a big old, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to say about that. Let's put it that way. Okay. Uh, so leave him out of it. Cause he's just a, what if right now in terms of this free agency, but I agree with you. It's gone chalk to me. That's the word it's chalk. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so much so that, you know, Jalen Brunson and the Knicks are, might be in a little bit of hot water here because of, you know, this was, this was kind of preeminated three months ago. Let's be honest here. And, we started to see terms and numbers on Twitter like a week before free agency and just just some weird stuff that we talked about last time we spoke that I think is going to eventually capitulate to a tampering fine. Uh, Do you agree with that? Do you think that's worthy based on what you saw? Based on what I've seen and following the timeline. Yeah. I, I think, and I think I've said this to you offline that it, there's too many things that happened in sequential order that made you scratch your head from if we go all the way back into the off season or during the season, Dallas offered four for 56 million. That's the most that they could offer. And then all of a sudden as the, the off season started to ramp up, it was, Oh, the Knicks four for 110, which you uh, noticed that it, double what the exactly 56 double, was right? yeah. so then there's the uh report that dallas new york and miami were all scheduled to have meetings as soon as they could with brunson well immediately miami came out and said pump the brakes on that there are no meetings scheduled with us for that yeah. then there was the four for one ten again that just keep coming out. And it was even reported, you know, like you said, days before free agency even started that Brunson was, you know, 
focusing on that. Mm-hmm. Well, it ended up coming out that after Miami said no, the report that the Knicks are going to sign Brunson was four for $104 million, but this report came out not right away at free agency. It was like four to five hours later Forcibly. after free. And <laughs> so now the Mavericks are saying that they're frustrated with the process, that they think there was already a deal in place because of, you know, Brunson's dad was hired there. Leon Rose was let, Brunson's let me agent. Say before- let me jump in on this because that's where I wanted to go with this, Scott. Because you're right. All the, all the numbers were out there. And the fact that the base value dropped all of a sudden three hours into free agency, which I think you noted to me was sort of like a, a saving Hail Mary to maybe try to avoid this tampering process. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, by the way, and I think you're, you were alluding to it, to me, the, the Knicks got the heat involved verbally just to say, hey, look, there's a bidding war happening here. It's not just us involved here. That was probably the Knicks doing that. The Miami was never involved, actually. So they tried, but yes, the father was involved. The old agent was involved. There's all these people already there for the Knicks. Why the hell did they need to tamper? <laughs> why, why couldn't they right. just say, look, everybody's here. We'll give you a hundred mil. Come on over and play Madison Square Garden. Why, why did they even need to go the extra level? Was there really a 16 bidding war for Jalen Brunson at a hundred million dollars? No chance in hell, in my opinion. No, no chance no. in hell. So you, you drop a you drop an inconspicuous, you know, mention about it online in December. Fine. Just to just to let, you know, Dallas know that, hey, if you're gonna really gonna keep this guy, you're gonna have to max him out. Fine. And if they do it, fine. And if they don't, then the Knicks should already be the front runner because of the seeds they planted internally. I so the fact that they're gonna get that they did all that, right? That they hired the staff, a good staff, by the way. I'm not saying that's the only reason that those guys are involved. But the fact that those guys are there and they're gonna get a tampering fine. <laughs> To get a point guard who's not even good enough to be their top point guard, it's just such a Knicks situation. It's unbelievable. It's just the best. How how common yeah. is this tampering stuff, Scott? Well, of the most recent, the there were two teams that lost second round draft picks in this 2022 draft. Yeah, Miami lost theirs for tampering with the Kyle Lowry situation with the sign and trade for Dragic and, and Achua back to t- Toronto, and then Milwaukee lost a second round pick in this latest draft for the Bogdan Bogdanovich mm. tampering, which was messing up a sign and trade that ended up not even. They didn't even happen. get him, right? Right. They got fined for a guy they didn't even get. <laughs> right. So if you go off of that, it's been a second round pick as a, as the penalty. So we'll see what this comes out to be, but it's at least probably a second round pick and money. And money, no question. Money. Money's happening right. here. They're they're gonna make, maybe they'll make him pay back the uh, six million that they tried to take off the top of this contract. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of uh, some sort of formula for this though, right? In yeah, t- there's in, probably in the a yeah, there's probably a maximum that they can be fined right. without any grievance period. I, I'd have to double check with Keith on that. Yeah, put your nerd nerd glasses on and try to figure that one out for your homework. How's that? Um, yep. Other than that, man, I, I know you're tracking the numbers. Where are we in terms of agreements and, uh, and off-season numbers here for the NBA? Yeah, so free agency period itself, $1.56 billion doled out just for free agents. And I made some tweaks to the site uh, this week as well. So if you go to the free agent page, you'll see that I have agreed to as in pink. And as they become official, mm-hmm. which you scroll down, you'll see some of the minimum salary guys that have already. Uh, been posted official 
they're in gray. So as these officials start to really hit starting tomorrow and in through July, yeah. the, the pinks will turn into uh, grays. I also added a new link in the NBA uh, banner offseason view that I built uh, to just compile everything from free agency to extensions, rookie scale, two ways, trades, everything under the sun that you can uh, now go and check out and it'll give you an overall total. So as I mentioned, free agency has been 1.56 billion, but in total value between free agents, extensions, rookie scale signings, we're at $3.4 billion, which comparing to last year was five point, yeah. just under $5.3 billion. So uh, we got a ways to go, but I think outside of the, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, high value free agency. It's it's the extensions that have really probably sure. caught a lot of eyes. Sure, some vets getting uh, super max toppers, and well, some of these rookies at least getting their feet wet here, right? Well, you got Jokic, which was a super max five year, two seventy. Booker and Towns were super maxed as high as they could go with a four year left. So that's it, mm-hmm. uh, two hundred twenty four million for both of them. Then you have Garland, Morant, and Williamson, who are all max 25% with language to get up to the 30%. Uh, so all f- six of those guys are maxed out extensions right there. And just and just so we're clear, there's no details yet on Zion's deal, right? Because no, I, it I says have to think that there's injury protection coming yep. and possibly even a tiered, a tiered um, super max policy to get him up to 30%. Yeah, I, I've heard there's at least some protections in there of some sort, but there is language that he can get up to the 30%. Yeah. So I know there's a lot of sites out there pushing the Supermax, which is what, 231, 213? Yeah, two, uh, 231. Yeah, so if you're seeing 231 for John Morant and Zion Williamson, it's incorrect. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is 100% not correct to say that that's what they're going to be making. They have to become an all-pro, an all-NBA player, or an MVP, or the defensive player of the year, which, you know, I guess for Morant, that's possible. And but- let, me, let me add, that, that, that 231 is, and the 25% right now that's on the site for them is their salaries is 25%. This is at a $133 million cap that is estimated. So Right, it's an estimated league cap for next year. It could go up. And if, they have to do something incredible, which is make an all-pro, t- an all-NBA team, which we, we never assume. <laughs> you just don't no, assume that. Now, let me can't. ask you this question, because it's something that I, I ask a lot, and I'm sure a lot of people out there don't know. It, it's base 192.85 projection right now, Scott. If they hit the all-NBA all team, if they make second-team all-NBA or something like that next year, does it automatically jump up, or do the, the teams have to offer the Supermax? No, it's part of the language in the contract. So as soon as they trigger it, they're automatically jumped up to that, which is why it's important to know once the details that do come out, some of these latest rookie extensions from the past have had tiers where if you make a third all NBA, Mm -hmm. you're at 26%, uh, all NBA second, you're at 28% and et cetera. Some it's just if you make an all NBA, whether it's third, second, or first team, you automatically jump up to the 30%. So yeah, there's a, we, de- a lot of devil in the details to be hashed out here for sure, but yep. pretty incredible. And, and by the way, we've, we've talked about it before, and I think we'll do it again here that 
a bunch of reporters around the league, right? Get, get to dictate a $39 million pay raise for a couple of guys in the next couple of, you know, over the next 12 months. It's nuts, but that's really what's going to happen. If, if, if there's a fringe situation between Zion and I don't know, Kevin Durant, right. To make third team all NBA, wherever these, those two players are in a couple of, in a year or so, it, it, it means $39 million to Zion Williamson. That's what it means. So it's, it's an incredible CBA clause, but it's here. And, and when that's, it's one of the things you have to deal with when you offer these max rookie extensions, right? Those automatic triggers. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And keep in mind, these guys is the salaries would kick in in 23, 24. So next after this upcoming season, whereas Towns and Booker, their super maxes don't even hit until 24, 25. So they're two years out. Uh, jo- Minnesota. Yep, yep, yep. And Jokers would hit in 23, 24. He has just this, upcoming season left. So we're seeing some of these extensions. And then we had some other extensions of some uh, guys that were about to hit free agency that came out and did extensions quickly right before the the negotiation period hit. So like I said, we've had a a well-rounded kind of off season here. It's just nothing. So you mentioned Joker, Nicole, Nicole Jokic, right for Denver. When he signed the extension, by the way, nobody cared. Nobody cared when he won two MVPs. Nobody cared when he's nope. you know, winning the scoring. T- oh, he, he's just freaking phenomenal and, freak, and, and freakishly boring. All in the same sentence. And the, the league just kind of you know, makes him a blip on the radar. Has anybody signed $270 million and been less noted for it ever in the history of sports? But, but also, and this, is, this was my takeaway. Has anybody made, to, uh, you know, earned $270 million and actually earned it more? <laughs> do, do you feel better about him than anyone else in saying, all right, no matter where the Nuggets are in four or five years, you know, this thing kicks in in two years and it goes another five after that. I feel 100% confident about whoever the other four players are for the Nuggets. He's still going to be a great player. He, he does it all. He, he passes, he shoots, he hits foul. He does it all. So just whoever they end up being, it's not going to be these four guys. I mean, they're going to be completely turned over in, you know, three to four years based on how things are looking. I just feel supremely confident. You know what it reminds me of? Max Scherzer. But <laughs> just just yeah. pay him as much as possible and, and put whoever you want around him. He's just going to be the guy. He's just going to be the guy for, you know, seven, eight years. And that's what we saw in Washington. And we're seeing that in New York still. It just feels like that. It just feels like pay him whatever the hell you have to pay him. He's just going to be solid and consistent. So. It, it, to me, that's fu- that's the, the best part is that literally that's the biggest contract that's been signed over the past week, and I don't think if you if you targeted four to five NBA fans, they even remember that it happened. You know, <laughs> right? Because it it was probably the first tweet that came out, and yeah. then there were fifteen other tweets after that, and so you're right, it yeah. just so went went by the wayside, and then the Durant information that comes out, and that throws a wrench and everything, and everyone talks about that and doesn't even talk about that supermax being signed so you're right i mean we'll talk about it when he's making 55 million in a couple of years and you know like i said that denver nuggets team might be bad at that point but i I just feel supremely confident about the player because of who he what actually everything that he is he's like a five tool nba player all right let's get to the mess i told you i promised you i was going to send you on a tangent here here it is because kevin durant is yet exhibit you know z of this player empowerment crap, which I'm going to go off on in a second here. But here's the question for you, Scott. What is the most damaging empowerment situation in sports right now? A, the NBA player thing. B, live golf. Or C, 
NCAA football colleges just deciding they're going to switch divisions and conferences at will <laughs> and basically create two super conferences. What what do you think is going to have the more short term, long term effect here? Um, take that first take. Bang. Yeah, right. Pump that Bam. out as your poll question. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, the college situation is probably a more long-term situation because it's going to change the landscape of how college football works in addition to with the whole NIL situation and, yeah. you know, the the free agent portal, the whatever, the transfer portal. They, they have a lot of issues, but I think the, the teams jumping in, it, that's going to be a long-term play to where we're eventually – who knows if the NCAA from a standpoint is going to exist for college football mm -hmm. the, from a short term standpoint, we're, we're already in the midst of it with the Kevin Durant, the player empowerment, the, you know, the James Harden sitting and coming in overweight and forcing his way off Houston. We're already in the midst of it. So that's the short term. And I is really it damaging, don't know. Though? Oh, I, I do think it is damaging to a certain extent okay. because like I said, out, out of the gate, because Durant has said, or, you know, whatever the powers that be with the reports saying he wants to be out and, and this and that. Yeah. It, it jams up the moves for half the league. I mean, and I say half the league because I think I saw a, a tweet that said at least, 13 to 14 teams had already called on KD at some point. So mm -hmm. if there are the other half that have log jam of uh, deals that they want to, mm -hmm. to process, but you have these situations where the league cannot move forward because of one or two players. And, you know, Brooklyn doesn't have to do anything. Durant is under contract we'll there, for four Scott, more worry. years. It, it, um, is the college football stuff damaging to the sport? Or do you think in the long run it could actually be better? I think in the long run it actually might be better okay. because it's going to force the hand of NCAA to have to do something or conferences to just secede and go do their own thing and have their own playoff. Whatever happens, I think it's probably good at this point because we've, we've heard and seen how toxic the NCAA situation is. So this might just be forcing that hand. I, I put the golf and the and the college football conversations in the same boat for this reason, because I think we're actually headed there. I actually think what's what's happening with college football is there's going to be two or three big, big super conferences. And, and maybe it's 40, maybe it's 50 teams, maybe it's not even that many to start with. But they're going to be the big boys. They're going to be all the names that we've grown up with and, and all the names that have kind of rounded in the form over the past decade. And they're going to just have massive games. And maybe they don't even coagulate. Maybe it's just one single entity where the Big Ten has a Big Ten championship, and that's it for them. And whatever the SEC looks like, they do their own thing. They don't even, they don't even go out and play Penn, the Penn States and the Michigans anymore. They just kind of sit in their own big pocket. That's possible. And it'll, it'll maximize A-level prime college football content in that regard. But then what it'll also do, Scott, is it'll create that layer below it, that tier below it, that's actually amateur. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we may actually be, re be able to reestablish an amateur level of college football. You know, it won't look like SEC football, and it never did, it never has, but it won't have to compete with it either. It'll be at its own level, so similar to what the USFL looks like to the NFL right now. I think it's possible that those things can coexist. And isn't that sort of what Live Golf is about to do here? Maybe, may possibly, 
right? If they end up having so much money and a little bit of success to the point where they really get all the stars and create this super league, then we're going to have two direct, you know, networks. And, and I'm not saying blowing up the PGA is good, but I think a little healthy competition is great. Now, if it ends up taking everybody, like I'm, I'm, I'm forecasting here, I don't know that it can exist as like an amateur, you know, somewhat amateur pro golf situation. But I, I just think that having tiers, seeing people who, who just can't compete in the same conference, you know what I'm saying? It's like throwing, a, throwing somebody who can't drive a NASCAR into the Daytona 500 and saying, good luck, try to keep up. That's what a hundred of these college football programs are, you know? Right. And so if they're actually going to level off a little bit and, and tier properly so that they don't have to play each other, so that we, we don't have to see preseason games where Alabama plays the local community college and beats them 114 to three, I, I'm kind of for that. So in, oh, those, in those two situations, if they, can, if they can figure out the organizational process a little bit and keep the product good, which I think they're going to do, you know, the, seems like the conferences know what they're doing more than the NCAA ever did. Now, Liv is a little weirder because they're, it, it's a mixed bag right now. But, you know, just like the football programs, it's all about money. And if they continue to have this money, and if they even get more money because of the success they're having in bringing guys over, all it's going to do is, is snowball into more and more success in terms of bigger venues, larger pools, bigger players, bigger names, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to start to look like the SEC at the end of the day. So I, I think there's some, there's some comparisons there. Yeah, I would agree 100% with that. And with the Live Golf, I, I didn't mean to skim over that, but it's the Live Golf is actually, to a certain extent, forcing the PGA's hand, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. is forcing their hand to actually increase their purses. And from what I've heard and read, this was always the plan to mm-hmm. increase those. I think it just has been expedited because of the live golf situation. Dropping and cut now, lines. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> well, that or I- increasing the overall purse or whether the player index that they have, if they're going to have to increase that, because, you know, some of the players that were in on that for that first iteration this last season, they're not no longer in pga anymore they're with the live so you may have some different names coming in up in that but i think as a whole it's forcing the hand from a a organization that has been around forever to actually look at themselves in the mirror and say we may need to do something different and you know well what's funny scott is that yes there's all these changes 54 holes no cut line smaller field all these things right but at the end of the day you know, yes, some of these guys are getting massive signing bonuses, your, your DJs and your fills and whatnot to come over. But at the end of the day, isn't it the same conversation we've been having with the NFL for 35, 40 years? What, what are these guys getting that they weren't getting with the PGA? Guaranteed, Guaranteed. salaries. <laughs> Guaranteed salaries when they show up to go to work. And that's not rare. That's not new. Every sport's been pushing for this. It's one of the things that has kept Major League Baseball so lock and key strong over the years is even the guy at the bottom of the roster, you know, the guy who's a, a pinch hitter once every four games, his $800,000 is guaranteed to him. You know what I mean? If, if he's on the active roster. So there's just a lot to that. There's something to that. And, and it's, they've un, kind of uncracked that code a little bit. You and I've talked about this a little bit offline. I wonder if the XFL goes this route. I wonder if the XFL is taking their time right now so that they can properly get funded like they obviously weren't last time 
to be able to offer these guys now, obviously not 50 million a year, you know, that's not going to be what it's about, but I don't think it has to be. If you can just say out loud to, to some of these younger guys, look, man, your second round, if you're a second round draft pick, you get a signing bonus, you get 700 grand this year, and you, you maybe get 1.5 million next year guaranteed. That's it on your rookie contract. That's what second rounders are getting, Scott. They're getting two years of guarantee. And then who knows, you're, you're completely in our control after that. So if XFL's contracts can come in and say, look, if you make this roster, you get three or four years fully guaranteed with us, no strings attached. That's just how we're going to operate. They've already taken a step up from the lower, on the lower tier. You know what I mean? And I do believe that's the sauce that Liv is working with here is, is getting some of these amateurs to, to, to look at the 120,000 you know, guaranteed for being last place and, and really starting to see, say, say to these guys, look, you can come develop your game here and make good money. You don't have to win. Just come, and, just come and, and figure out how to be a pro here and, and put you know, half a mil in your pocket and then do what you got to do after that. Well, but I think it, that they're, they're hitting all the notes. Well, I, and on top of it, they've added a team element to the process. So they redraft. I didn't realize this in the beginning. I thought they just drafted a team and that was the same team throughout the entire eight uh, tournaments, but they actually redraft every tournament. So you have different player or you could have different players on your team and they earn extra money for being uh, their team is in first or second or third. So not only are they hoping for doing well individually, but they want their team to do well because then that's an incentive for them to just make extra cash within that tournament. But you you are spot on with the guaranteed money aspect. And I, I said this to you offline. I, I wonder if Live Golf was owned by a different entity. Yeah. Say say Apple is the example I used for you with their streaming and jumping into MLS and Major League Baseball. If they had the streaming platform and they went down that road, I, I have a feeling we would be seeing a, a lot more bigger fish from the PGA jumping over than if it was the Saudi money. We don't have to go down that road. Yeah. But I, I think the, the usage yeah, the, of well, the That's the only thing holding them back, right? Is the dirty it, money. It really is. It really <laughs> is. The, the usage of because the if it wasn't dirty money, money, they'd have a network. Oh, absolutely. They'd have it right now. 100%. Um, but that usage of guaranteed money and shorter, shorter tournament and the element of, of a team per se, I, I think it's, it's enticing. And PGA, from, from what I hear, they're looking to have a different structure. It hasn't come out officially, but for the 23 season, they're looking to have a different structure where maybe the main events start in January and there's some you know, subsidiary tournaments in, in the fall itself, but the majority, the main thing, uh, main tournaments are going to start in January. So they're sort of pushing back and having a little bit more of an off season than just having two weeks off and then right back into the flow. Do you think they're going to eventually just let them, let everybody play everything? Do you think that's where they're going here, Scott, is that they'll take January to July and let Liv take over in the summer? Do, they, do you think they realize they can't compete? Because I feel like that's, the, that's where we're headed. It could be. I, I don't know the, the inner workings. I mean, why spend the money to try to compete when you can just reschedule like you're talking about and actually give these guys a couple <clears throat> of months off and or the chance to go and do this? Honestly, 
What, what's the downside of guys playing PGA and live as long as there's no real, real major conflicts? What's the downsides? Let the guys make their money and become bigger brands, by the way, so that, that when they do play big PGA events, we actually know more about them because they're playing, you know, all over the world. I, because I, I PGA just, wants their players to be I get exclusive. It. It's, exclusive. It's, it's an old school, you know, country club thing. I get it. But BS, be an international sport. You know what I mean? Like, let these guys go do their, make their money and become brands and become single entities. It's not, not unlike soccer. How many freaking soccer tournaments do these guys play? <laughs> I mean, right. I, I, I follow Chelsea as a team in the Premier League. These guys play all over the goddamn place, Scott. They not only, by the way, they play for their country. They play, you know, the Euro Cup. They play in America for preseason games and friendlies. They're all over the world constantly. And it's why we know so much about them. Why can't golf just be that? Why can't we just put them? Boy, we really got off the basketball conversation bad here. But why can't why can't this coexist? I, I love the idea of them rescheduling to allow both 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 entities to exist. And you're right, there's going to be stubbornness with that. But I wonder if we're just not going to eventually get there because you're just not going to be able to pump in hundreds of millions of dollars to keep up here. It's just not going to happen. Right, and and that goes back to the NBA conversation of the player empowerment. We're sort of getting that in golf now with the empowerment of. Yeah, we want to get paid. We want guaranteed money. We don't want to have to go to a tournament and get cut 50% of the time and make nothing and you're having to flip the bill and having a negative balance because of that. So you're, you're right to group the live into the conversation of the guaranteed money, player empowerment, because it, it, when you really look deep into it. All right, let's fix golf. Ready? You get cut on Friday. On Saturday and Sunday, all the players who were cut go to a relegated par three tournament. Oh, nice. And the winner of that makes a million bucks or something. I just fixed golf. Let's move on. Ready? Speaking of redrafting, um, these NBA superstars that keep pushing themselves out. In your opinion, you follow this as closely as anybody in terms of transactional moves and and, and the repercussions and, and how it turns into immediate success or not. Is it good for basketball? It, it, is, is Kevin Durant flipping teams again going to make that new team an immediate contender? Because if not, Scott, then what the hell are we doing here? Because somebody's going to give up four first-round picks, an all-star player, and three bench guys to get him in the door over the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. It depends on what team he goes to. But that can't and be it, the answer. <laughs> that, that can't be the answer. You can't mortgage that much for this guy and then say, well, now at least we have a chance. It's just not that's just not prudent. It's just not how things should work in this league. Yeah, I, I understand that. But I have to say it, it does depend on the team's situation because think of Anthony Davis. They, they traded a farm for him. They, they did won. Get, they won. They, they, they did win. They, they, they mortgaged the farm. However, if you go to LeBron the Toronto. Won. LeBron won every time. Toronto won. Go, <laughs> well, let, let's put a... I don't want to say an asterisk on that. Kawhi was traded on for pennies on the dollar. You know, they traded to Rosen there, yeah. but that for the most part, that team, if I can remember, they were a lot of homegrown kind of kids that they drafted the, the Van Vliet, the, um, you know, the Siakam. Those guys were all kind of homegrown esque. Same with Golden State. They brought in KD and free agency. They had a lot of kids. That were homegrown, Steph, Clay, Draymond. Yeah, but they won. They but won. they won. They did. But they had 
the Isn't the only version of this not working every James Harden move ever? <laughs> I mean, to some degree, I guess the Paul George Kawhi situation still hasn't gotten there, but that's that is 100% injury based. And by the way, they're one of the favorites this year. So I, I, I just think it, it has been successful, like rapidly successful. But, but again, you have to have the pieces in place, I think, for the most part. You know, all right. I so think who is you, that team then? I'm going to put you right on the spot here. Oh, I have, one. I don't, I have a team and I think, all right, I, give me, give I, me I your think, team. I think honestly, one of two players could go there and, and immediately make them the, the East favorites. Eh, maybe not the favorite because Milwaukee is so damn good, but I think the bulls have that kind of clout right now. I really do. I like how they're coached. I like the setup of that roster. I think if you drop an Aiden and or a Durant, and by the way, I'm not comparing those two, but this is year 16 for Kevin Durant. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, we got to stop, you know, looking at LeBron James and saying, oh, every superstar is just going to become that now. That's just how, what, we, what we can expect from our superstar players. You know, 20 years of utter above average greatness. At some point in time, Kevin Durant's body is just going to give up on him, which I have a feeling it's already started. But a 75% Kevin Durant with a Levine with Alonzo, with a DeRozan, if, as long as he's not included, right? Th- with a Vucevic, that's a contending team right there. There's no question. And I like Billy Donovan's style a lot. That's, that's a contending team, especially in a, in a weekend East. So that's the team for me. I know Phoenix is up there because he said it out loud. You and I and Keith have, Keith has really punched holes in Phoenix from a, from a transactional standpoint, from a CBA standpoint. It's just going to be they're going to need help from at least two other teams based on what Keith has said out loud to us, Scott, just to make that work. And they're going to have to give up one of their notable players. So I don't know how that, that, that fits in this puzzle. I've kind of bet internally on Portland because I like the idea of Dame with Kevin Durant. They, they kind of seem to be in the same boat right now from a post injury, getting exiled from their current, you know, their current franchise situation. Um, You know, Dame's kind of a lone soldier out there right now, even though they've acquired a couple of pieces. But where's your head right now, Scott? And by the way, please feel free to say Brooklyn because that is the correct answer at the end of the day. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it is. It's the right answer, and Brooklyn can make moves to help. I, you know, I'll poke holes in. All right, if you send him to, to Chicago, you're going to have to salary match something back. So it's probably going to be a Vucevic, Alonzo Ball, or DeRozan, one of those two. Uh, of those three are probably going to go back unless you can, pat, you know, Patrick Williams. For sure, it's going to be Patrick Williams. Yeah. So the fact that you have to salary match in the NBA, one of those three big salaries are gone. So pick your poison out of there. Similar situation in Portland. You, you have a, a Bledsoe, a Hart. You can put those together. That's $31 million. You're going to have to throw some other stuff in there to get up there. Yep. So it's possible even with the signings that they have done or lack thereof with trades that haven't gone official. So that that's a possibility. Like I said, Phoenix is hard from a CBA hard capping situation. I, I don't necessarily know the right team. I've seen new Orleans floated out there. I've seen Toronto floated out there. Toronto's a big name. Uh, Tr- Toronto is a real deal name. Yep. So 
I, I don't necessarily know what team because you're going to have to his salary is so high that whatever team he goes to, you're going to have to be OK with the pieces that are going to get sent back. And you're right. Brooklyn is probably the right answer for. So let's the talk about that because you're right, Scott. What is Brooklyn looking for here? They are looking for a hall like Rudy Gobert with all the picks, a young all-star player to come back, and then another possible starter thrown in there. So they want the fun. Do they want to win right now? From A team, two team, whatever it might be. I don't, I just don't understand why you wouldn't give this a year. A, you get out of Kyrie, you know, unless he's movable, right. which I, I understand there's a lot of reports out there. I'm not going there yet. Those reports are going to have to become agreements before, before I start talking about anything, especially the Lakers with their veteran minimum situation again, which we, we got to stop this people. Okay. <laughs> we got to stop this. Okay. It's not realistic from a CBA standpoint right now. Anyway, why wouldn't you just get through this year? Why wouldn't you just do it? Right. We haven't seen what Ben Simmons is. Nor do we I know mean, if he can actually play. It's truly, from an injury standpoint, we have, and maybe they do. Maybe they, maybe they already know that that back is chronic. That dude's never put in, you know, 82 games out there again. Maybe they know that already. But you already went through hell and heaven to get rid of him. You brought back a pretty decent set of role players. I mean, the Joe Harris, Seth Curry situation is nice. So it's probably going to be hard to lose a lot of ball games on an average night with the shooting they have there. Mm-hmm. So are they just looking for some sort of young forward to replace Kevin Durant right now and then a boatload of picks? Is that really what the game is here, Scott? And they know they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team, but at least they're not paying you know a massive, massive luxury taxes to do it this time? Well, they know... He's got four years left on his contract. Yeah. So they know they don't have to trade him because he does not have a no trade clause. So they can ask for the farm and they can delay yep. whatever process that they want. They're in full control. They even can though Kevin Durant, thing. <laughs> they, they absolutely could. They, they're bringing, but like you said, they, they have a nice set of kids on their roster. Joe Harris Sounds like he's off the table. They don't want to move off Joe Harris. They're bringing back Claxton. They're bringing back Mills. I don't know if you saw, but they signed or agreed to TJ Warren, one-year deal right before we started recording. And acquired Royce O'Neal from, uh, is that Portland or Utah, right? Utah. Who's a nice small forward that could at least take some minutes from Kevin Durant here. Could. Right. So they do have a nice roster. It's just whatever communication issues, whatever internally is going on. Uh, you're right. The Brooklyn has total control after ju- us just talking about player empowerment. They have total control that they can keep him, whether or not he is pissed off enough that he ends up sitting at the beginning of the season and, and pouts remains to be seen, but they don't have to do anything. They don't know what they have in Ben Simmons from an actual game scenario situation they probably know from a workout situation but actually getting into a game how does he meld with durant or irving or harris or whoever else is on the roster at that point 
So you're right. They can slow play it. And if they have to make a trade midseason, get to the trade deadline, then so be it. And can I add, let me, <laughs> let, let me add this. All of the free agent signings are not tradable right now. So if you wait until at least December 15th and it's not working, then you have at least 30 to 35% of the league that is trade restricted because of signing free agent transactions now become available. So guys that signed that have 20 to $25 million of salary now become available where they're not touchable right now. Is there a oh God, I hate to do this. Is there a, a CBA world? where Kyrie, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and DeAndre Ayton are all in some ridiculous, massive rule pool trade together? Oh, I'm... Do you understand what I'm possible. saying? Like, I, I do. Because like nobody's going to singularly bail out the Lakers here, but, but if there are three or four teams like this who kind of have a stuck situation... That's generally when teams start to play ball in this league. And I just feel like there's enough ammo out there right now. And, if, and I have no idea what the relationships are between those front offices and, and blah, blah, blah. Nor do I understand really what Brooklyn wants to be and what Phoenix wants to be. You know what I mean? If they're moving off of Aiton and they didn't get back McGee, what, what are they looking to be? Just a small old team? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but that, is there a world where these massive players, because of their salary matching situations, could just flip around, you know, like a like a turnstile, and it all kind of mathematically works out, and and I guess to some degree from a roster standpoint, it works out as well. It could, it could absolutely. You just have to be careful with what team takes on, yeah. like a like an Aiton, and he's one that is sort of in limbo right now, and that could be the reason why. Now, a sign and trade to Brooklyn is super uh, super hard because of the hard cap situation you know again we can you kind of explain that because i feel like that's not being said out loud enough it's basically that they have to they have to acquire two two dollars for every dollar spent uh, sent out is that how it's working or am i backwards on that no it the the with Aiton's situation, because he would be a sign and trade, that would hard cap a team. If a team is already over the luxury tax apron, which is a quote-unquote hard cap, they, they can't do a sign and trade at all because they're already over that, that threshold, that hard cap threshold. So the, the Brooklyn Nets are already going to be up there. So you're, you're dealing with the ramifications of you're going to need a three-team, maybe even a four-team trade to really massage the mm -hmm. uh, salary matching. Not from to mention these are all angles. teams that want to win the championship this year. So they're not going to give up more <laughs> right. than they need to right now. And, and I think, Scott, that leads to where you were going, which is we're all just going to wait. We're all going to wait till the middle of December, see who's actually available at that point in time when, when the majority of these restrictions go. And, you know, some of these free agents are going to bust out immediately and those get moved in February. That happens quite a bit. And, and other times it's like we saw with Harden last year. We're going to wait to the very last minute and 
at some point in time, somebody's going to push in the chips that we want. And maybe we're getting 90 on the dollar, but we're at least getting something close to the dollar. And that is what, by the way, that is what Brooklyn should do for the good of the league, <laughs> by the way. And I'm not going to go off on my rant like I, like I you know, preeminented I would, but this is, this is dangerous waters. I believe you ran the numbers. This would be the highest contract ever traded in the, in the history with, of the NBA. Yeah. Four with years, remaining. 194 yep. or 5 million. That, that'd be the most money moved in, in terms of contract left in the history of the NBA. And I know it's Kevin Durant, but it's not 30-year-old Kevin Durant. It's not. It's not a guarantee that he walks into a team and makes them contenders. They're certainly better, but it's not a guarantee that they win like we got to with the other situations. I mean, the Harden situation should be eye-opening. It should be. Philly did not get better with James Harden last year. Now, they may this year. They may, they may be able to push the right buttons to re- rehabilitate him to some degree, but he is not a top two. He's just not. And I'm not saying Durant won't be either, but at some point in time, he won't be. And it'll be inside this four years, 195 million. So buyer beware with that because Westbrook fell off a cliff. Harden fell off a cliff. I think LeBron's about to fall off the cliff here. If we can kind of read that out, you know, and I just don't think they should rush into anything. I think you're saying the same thing. And by the way, it's better for the league if they push back a little bit and say, look, we understand where you are right now. We understand that things with Kyrie got weird. And obviously we had to get James out of town and you feel like you're, you know, on a totem pole with Ben Simmons right now, which we also understand could be weird, but we got to do what's right for this franchise. And right now there's not an offer out there that makes us better versus having you out there for 40 games. So we're going to ask you to play 40 games and we're going to, we're going to continue to work on this. And that should be the approach here. And everybody should be able to play ball, including Rich Kleiman. Right. But that's just generally not how we've seen it go down. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Slow play it if you're Brooklyn, yeah. unless you do get a haul. I mean, if you get a haul and you can reset your roster and, and then more power to you because you, you, if you're going to get all those picks to restock in the future, like we've been seeing with some of these teams doing, then yeah, you're, you're probably going to rip the bandaid off. But if you don't, if you can salvage whatever communication between Durant, Irving, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. You, you slow play it. If, if you can at least get to December when some more salaries are available for matching purposes, and then you can target those players without having to hard cap you. Because when you get to December, January, February, leading up to the trade deadline, it doesn't matter where you are in the tax. If you make a trade and the salary matches works and you're still paying tax, it doesn't matter whether you're at the apron or not. As long as you're not hard kept, you can make a trade. <laughs> How much is James Harden worth to you mathematically? You had to put a ballpark <sighs> number to it. Not, not what he's. I know. Not at the forty. That's where, uh, that's probably. Where that's where I'm getting. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'd say probably somewhere around. If you told me he was making. 30 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'd be happy with that for the per- possible production that he could be. I, I'd say around 30. Hmm. Okay. If I told you that the last two years, which is what we mathematically use, his best comp is Paul George. Would that be about right to you? 
Paul George is making 44. Yeah. Mathematically, I mean, James Harden is still a $40 million player. But I think we know more than that. <laughs> I okay? was just going to say, from the eyeball test, he's not. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, we go over two years, and there's a six-month period there where he's definitely not a $40 million player. So if we, I think we have to segment that quite a bit. The point is, think, and you kind of bury the league, thought. is Scott, James Harden's not a hero for dropping $15 million off his off his salary this year. He's not a hero. Okay, declining a $47 million player option to try to win ball games is fine. But A, he's going to make 100 Do you have any any qualms about that, that this new deal is going to be for about 100 No, I don't think so. Because right? it's, a sim- it's a similar situation to the Chris Paul. Yeah. You get you give them guaranteed money, maybe uh, non guaranteed on the last year or whatever it might be to at least give them more guaranteed than forty seven. Yeah. All right. And in my opinion, there's going to be a, a portion of the guarantee in that third or fourth year that can make back what he just gave up. In other words, mm-hmm. we save some some tax this year, some space this year to be able to bring in a couple of uh, a couple of wings who can play the fifty games you're not going to play for us, and then. You make that back in the back end when hopefully we've already won a championship, which, by the way, that's just good business by Daryl Morey. It's good business. You have Embiid. You can't screw this up any more than you did the end of last year. So I, I do like what Philly's doing here. I think the Tucker move and things like that are at least promising. I don't quite understand three years for P.J. Tucker, but whatever you had to do, I guess. just my, It's not my money. Um, it's because you can trade him if he becomes an asset. Yep, get him under term yep. and get him out the door. Yep. Um, James Harden's not a hero. Okay, he's not worth $47 million. So when somebody says to you, all right, well, that's a bad move for us, but we're willing to give you 100 instead of 47, guess what, live golfers? You take the 100, okay? <laughs> you take the 100, and then you say, all right, well, now I'll be, you know, I can be more of a role player. So wait, I can, give a, I can take 100 instead of 47, and you're going to sign more players to make, so that I can play actually less minutes? Right, this actually is live golf. So let's do that. And I actually think it's the right move for Philadelphia. I want to get the one last thing before we get out of here. I just wanted to make sure we talked Harden because I feel like that contract's about to hit here in the next 24. Wait, let's roll it all the way back to Jalen Brunson and a couple of these signings, Scott. Mm-hmm. Two questions. One is negative. One is positive. A, is there a chance that the league voids it outright? Because that is something we've seen. It's been a while, but that is something we've seen done in free agency. I guess there's a chance, yeah. but my guess is no. They'll probably just get hit with draft pick and money penalties most likely. Okay. Uh, and, and then my second question is, is Dallas has got to get something for this, right? This can't just be a straight free agent signing. There's got to be it, a oh, sign and trade to this, no, right? It, it's going to be a straight signing because they're going to absorb it with cap space. So the, they're going to get nothing. Really? Most likely, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that answers that question. Do you, you've got a lot of pink on this free agent page, as you kind of noted at the top of the show here. Do you anticipate that there's a lot of unofficial movements happening here? Some, some compensation going back, maybe even some of these moves have different pieces built into them, things like that. Or do you think it's just a waiting game from a timing standpoint? It's definitely a, a timing standpoint now, because a lot of the players um, are going back to their teams there there's no need for uh doing signing trades or having compensation coming back so from that standpoint 
we don't even have to think about that because they're going back to the team that they came from. And it's very far and few between. If you go to the page, Jalen Brunson is at the top, Dallas to New York. But as you scroll down, out of the top 10 that are there, they're all going back to the team that they originated from. So the, the ones that are available, you mentioned James Harden. He's going to be going back to where he was. Danilo Gallinari, he was bought out, and he's going to reportedly go to Boston. Boston yeah. But that's going to be on probably in, in some sort of you know tax or sure. MLE. non-tax, whatever they end up at in MLE. Um, let, or, me ask, let me throw this name at you, Gary Payton. Left Golden State for Portland reportedly on three for 28. Certainly that's not a, a tax situation Golden State wanted to get into, but they've been kind of the masters at letting some of these guys walk and getting compensation back. Do you, do you expect a sign and trade with that one? Or is their hard cap no, no, situation just a nightmare? From, from the, the reports and talking with Keith, it sounds like they'll absorb Gary Payton using their MLE, okay. uh, a portion of it. So no, no compensation for that. Okay. Uh, JaVale McGee to Dallas. You think Phoenix gets something back for that? Nope, or, probably not. Same deal, MLE? Yep. This same is a deal. Boring free agency, Scott. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, 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 it's I changed my vote. Boring. I want Durant to get traded. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, that, and that may be the case. I think the logjam will start to, yeah. to open up because we're going to have teams that are going, like I said at the top, they're going to want to have to move forward with with their roster construction. And, you know, one way or another, players are going to get signed. It's going to be some of the uh, middling players that maybe it's a sign and trade, but a lot of teams don't necessarily want to be hard cap. So they're going to get minimums. They're going to use their MLE. And some of the teams are using up those MLEs fairly quickly. I think one of the interesting notes that I that I jotted down was right out of the gate it was centers and power forwards that were getting deals. A lot of big men went fast. And there's still some big men on on the open market here, mm-hmm. but from a a roster construction standpoint, it looks like the teams are bring back those big men or have the depth at the big man position. And we'll figure out the shooting. I got to tell you, I don't agree with later. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I get it I, because there were a lot of big names available in those positions. I, I don't think that's how you build a roster right now, though. Not, not just, for not for in the, the, the playoffs. Look yeah. at the teams that were deep into the playoffs. They didn't have that number one big man. It was shooting. It was point guard passing and yeah. defense, but defense from not necessarily the big man position. Uh, yeah, I just don't know that I agree with this, but I, I understand it. I, th- I think there are probably G-leaguers out there. You could start to plug and play. And my guess is that's where the league will eventually start to go. And some of these guys, like an Aiden, won't get those extensions. They won't. I think that, that trend might and continue. So he's a super interesting situation. And Keith did an article on it. You know, he's a restricted free agent. So the offer sheet is not going to come because there's not much cap space left to right. sign him at. So do does he go back to Phoenix on a max but short term kind of deal? Kind of thing, yeah. Does he uh, 
just sign the qualifying offer outright and become an unrestricted free agent going into next year and just plays on that qualifying offer. So, or does he end up finding a sign trade with someone that is going to actually want to send something back to Phoenix and, and go I, to that I'd, team? I would keep Indiana in mind there because Miles Turner's on an expiring. It's like 18 million. That's about probably the right price for Phoenix, you know, versus 30, 31. So I'd keep that in mind. They've got some caps and practical space to work with as well. So I, I, I would, to me, that's, I'd float that out there a little bit. Phoenix and Indiana kind of, I mean, Indiana has been extremely active but and kind of turning I, I, over this I, core. I don't think he has signed anywhere because of the KD news and him saying, I want oh, Phoenix yeah. or whatever. Oh, I think so what I, what I it, threw out there before is in play. These massive names kind of coagulating together, but you know, that's a pipe dream. And, it, and it's a possibility and it could come and we're all going to be in shock and we'll be back on here in 24 hours breaking that down. Sure. Uh, but it, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things come through. But for the most part, going back to your original question, yeah, a lot of these deals are retain your own. So you're signing them with the rights, early bird, bird, whatever rights that you may have. Signing is minimum salaries or using up their MLEs. Now, you know, like at a Marvin Bagley or even a PJ Tucker until they go black on our site, until they, until you actually make it officially official and we get the proper numbers and structure that PJ Tucker deal is probably not a three-year deal. You know, that Marvin Bagley deal is probably not a three-year deal in terms of guarantees. Let's be perfectly frank about what we're dealing with here. So th- it's important to note that hell the Jalen Brunson might not even be officially 104 million. You know, that might be a fourth year team option for all we know. Right. I mean, there's so much that, that needs to get fleshed out here. That, that's of upwards importance to the, the timing and, and the long-term stability of these contracts. Well, that, and we don't know what incentives might be in there. So that 104 could be the maximum if all incentives were met, but it could be a, a four for 100 where 4 million is unlikely. So it actually is a yep. four for a hundred. So There's a lot of two-year it, deals out there that may be one plus a player option. There's a lot of, correct. there's a lot of bouncing around. I, I think the Mo Bomb I heard was very non-guaranteed in year two from some of the stuff I was hearing. But again, that's not officially official. So we're just kind of speculating here. And I, I, I believe the John Wall had very little guarantee in year two as well, Scott, right? That was basically just the one-year MLE. And then we'll see after that. So there's just a lot to flesh out. So why we're not speaking directly to a lot of these numbers is that right there. We, we don't want to speak to a four-year contract until we know just how strong of a four-year contract it is. But certainly the, uh, the agreements and the process and the team building side of it is, is worth discussing right now. So I do have one final question. Uh, do you think that someone in Oklahoma City woke up and had enough coffee to realize that they gave Lou Dort $87.5 million? I mean, when is somebody gonna gonna wake up and say, "Wait, wait, what is that number? Did we put the decimal in the wrong spot?" <laughs> I mean, that's the only one that stands out. Like, what the hell just happened? I I know he can play ball, and I know they they have nothing else to sign right now, so they they need some floor salaries. But that just feels like Davis Bertans all over again. What are we doing here? Maybe I know they really liked him. I know. Grown I know he's not a he's a bit, not a slub. But, but what are we doing? No, but again, it's it's what I mentioned before: teams retaining them their own <laughs> players, getting them under contract. If he has a gangbuster next couple of years, that's going to be yeah bonkers good value. And then if a team really needs or wants a, a Lou Dort, 
then you can flip him for yeah. whatever else you want. So I think the ceiling is really high and for a what, 15, 16 million dollar contract. Doesn't even get to it, 20 million on any year, on any single year. But, yeah. So I think yeah. I think from the growth and them building internally for themselves, if they really hit on these these kids that they have in there and they brought in a couple uh veteran contracts if, if SGA yeah. takes another step forward this team could be uh and I'm joking they, around Scott but you're right at least it's a sign that they're about to turn a corner from a, a roster standpoint they may not they may yes. not win up to a bunch more ball games but the effort's going to be there from the front office finally starting probably right now and by the way yeah, George got better light. every year every year he, he's gradually improved every year and they do have kids now that should continue to push that thing forward so I, I I'm I'm laughing just because that one stood out of all these free agent signings. <laughs> but, you know, when you're Oklahoma City and you have what you have, this is the kind of deal you have to do. And you're right. It's the perfect candidate to slot into some kind of trade exception year three, you know, because of the low salary. And that's and we've talked about this leading up. I think we talked about it or you may have talked about it with Keith a couple of weeks back. This is what teams are realizing that they need to do to get around free agency and cap space you sign your own and then you you get them under contract and then then you can move them to wherever you want them to to get pieces mm-hmm. back because otherwise free agency is it's an illusion as i've and, said many and to times finish this off you know letting guys get to, through their contracts and getting to the expired contract to free agency might not be leading to those sign and trades we've seen over the past five years in 2020, there were 19 hard cap teams. Last year, only 12. This year, we only have maybe one or two prospects, you know, and certainly there'll be more by the end of the year. It's, it's going to ramp up at the trade deadline and things like that. But I, I feel like that is something teams are being much more aware of and are trying to avoid at all costs based on Yeah, because it's, it hinders, right. And, and for those high paying teams, it's a hindrance to even be close yep. to that and be hard cap because then you cannot make any moves. Golden State was like that, not last year because they paid the tax, but I think it might have been the year before, if I remember correctly, or wherever, whatever team it was. They were so close to the, the apron, and they were hard-capped. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even sign a minimum salary guy until like a week left of the season because they had to play dollars under that luxury tax. So Literally. teams do not. literally so teams don't want to be strapped whereas if you're over you could sign a minimum guy whenever you want or you know use up if you have a a little bit of an mle left over going in past trade deadline you can use part of that up so teams don't want to restrict themselves especially when making trades because if they can bring in a player that's going to make them better and they're not hard capped they can make that move whenever, however. Good stuff. Keep working on the officially official stuff, Scott. We'll be talking soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. My thanks to Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get 40% off and read all of the NBA free agency grades, breakdowns, and plenty, plenty more on the app with The Athletic. Check out dynastyowner.com. Use spot track 20 at registration. Get yourself $20 off and get ready for the 2020-22 football season time for Dynasty Fantasy Football is now. Visit DynastyOwner.com and check it out. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>